Hey everyone, it's Aaron, or A-A-Ron as some people like to call me. Thanks for tuning in to episode number two of the Redeeming Identity Podcast. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the first episode, please go back and check it out uh, on the archives of Apple Music or Spotify. On that episode, we kind of broke down the what and the why and, and really the heart behind the Redeeming Identity podcast. Uh, also, if you're getting something out of this, and even if you're not, uh, really would ask you to please subscribe, rate, and review. Um, we really just want to be able to reach as many people with a message of grace and truth with the gospel. Um, you can also email us if you have a note or comments or questions. You can email us at the re- at redeeming identity at gmail.com uh, that'll be below in the show notes also in the show notes i added a couple links to play cat playlists on either apple music or spotify and these playlists are actually ones that i put together for me that help me get through the day sometimes when i'm uh, forgetting who god is and who he says i am so they are so helpful to me and i hope they're helpful to you Now, uh, let's get to this episode. Um, This is going to be part one of me sharing my story with Scott and the rest of you guys. And I really do hope it encourages and strengthens you. Uh, One note, we did record this a couple months ago, so you might hear a reference to world events. But anyway, I do hope that this encourages you. Here we go. Good evening, Aaron. Hey, Scott. How are you doing? Doing well. It's been a, been a good day. It has. Thanks for those boneless Buffalo Wild Wings wings. You know, I don't know if we're supposed to say names of companies, but there you go. <laughs> Our first sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, so the last episode, you we talked about um, what the Redeeming Identity podcast is. So we were kind of discussing before the mic got started. Um, let's just give everybody just kind of a, if this is the first episode, let's, let's just let everybody know what they're listening to. Yeah. Um, well, first, thanks uh, for listening to this. That means a whole lot um, that, that you would even give it, uh, give it any time. So thanks for listening. That's, that is quite a, uh, uh, just an amazing thing. I'm grateful for that. So redeeming identity is something that the Lord put in my heart uh, several years ago. started out as kind of a maybe a ministry uh, was just trying to figure out. And the Lord eventually pointed me to a podcast and this podcast and this ministry, the tagline, if we had one, was Redeeming identity is a place of grace and truth where we empower sons and daughters of the perfect heavenly father to live out their true God-given identity. And 
that that sounds really nice and well packaged like a nice christmas present there but um practically and, and and kind of boots on the ground what that means is this is a place for uh such a time as this for um if you turn on tv and you look at commercials you look at everything happening and um, not much difference in the church and people outside the church claim to follow Christ and not, but there's a lot of people struggling with identity, specifically sexual or gender. Um, yeah, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Yeah, uh, that's a buzzword right now, isn't Propaganda. it? Propaganda. Misinformation. <laughs> Fake news. Yeah, and, you know, it says in Scripture and and. Romans chapter one, it's actually one that I really have have looked at in detail in regards to this podcast, that that people that we become have become darkened in our understanding. So this podcast is a place to help us as as we've kind of been wandering, confused and have lost sight of who God says we are and who he says he is. Um, yeah, I, I love, and it's actually, this is, this is actually what you brought up. Uh, 118. Now this is, I don't know, this is what verse, but I saw this and this is definitely the, the, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth with their wickedness. Mm-hmm. Man, if that doesn't say what's going on right now, yeah. I don't know what is. Yeah, because my truth, right? This yeah. is that, that's another popular buzzword. We're talking about the the uh, inconvenient truth, right? Or unpopular opinion, because it's well, that's my truth, right? Yeah, it, and it, and it's really interesting, you know. I, in leading up to this podcast, uh, not this episode, but I mean this entire thing, I studied a lot of of this, and if you're listening to this and you, um happen to be a fellow struggler. Um, that is also why I am hosting this because I understand and I want you to know that you're not alone, but also you're not unique in this. Uh, I love in first Corinthians chapter 10, it says that, that when we're tempted, that no one should say that, that we are, um somehow different than our fellow man yeah like no we're all being tempted together like everyone has been tempted and even jesus was tempted with all the sin right yeah yet without sin i love that it says in hebrews he says uh hebrews 4 he was tempted at every point yeah yet without sin yeah without sin so so with that said um going into romans 1 and especially there are some places in our world where you can go to jail for reading Romans one publicly. There was uh, recently a Finnish, some, some type of government Senator or something who basically shared the word of God ended up having to go to court to trial. Wow. Um, And so there's a lot of people who, get offended just by this. And so that, that is something that I've heard my pastor say a lot is look, this is, this is not, this is not Aaron's 
opinion. Yeah. Or Scott's opinion. This is the truth of God's word. And conviction is, is something that God allows us to experience because he wants to draw us to him. And so, so before we push, you know, turn, turn this off before reading Romans one, know that, man, I've felt that when I've read certain scripture, I've felt that, Oh, I don't like that. Mm. Mm. You know, and, and what does that reveal is something in me, not that I need to turn away from the word, but there's something in me that's not matching up with God that well, needs to change. Well, you think about it like um, I always think about growth is never comfortable. Mm. You talk about growth in the gym. You, you know, if you're working out, if you're talking about growth in, in faith. If you're talking about growth in marriage, <clears throat> it's never going to be comfortable. But that's sort of the point. You get uncomfortable and that's where the growth happens. The growth mm-hmm. happens in those areas of discomfort. So you have to allow yourself to get uncomfortable to find these areas that you need to grow. Yes. And so if you are in church and your pastor is not making you uncomfortable, you might be going to the wrong church. Yeah. And not that he's yelling at you every week or, yeah. you know, but it, but the word of God is uh, I love, you know, I love the word of God. I'm very grateful to have grown up in a family where I had a mom and then a dad eventually who would, uh, man, they filled our house up with the word and really trained us in that. So with that, this is, this podcast is redeeming identity. Um, we'll, we'll go into Romans one here in a minute, but it's going to this place where we are, like you just said, look around the godlessness, the wickedness, the unrighteousness, um, and this darkening and understanding and this real kind of like it, it, I, man, I heard it. I don't know if it, where it was. I think it was pastor Mark. And he was talking about, man, this generation are, we just seem to have a case of stolen identity. And I said, yes, exactly. And so, um, so I'll share my story here in a minute with my identity was hijacked and, and I, and I'm the one who actually sinned against the Lord. It was my sinful flesh, my, my choice in believing those lies. Yeah. Um, which is also not a popular opinion to say that, um, but it was my choice to, to, to go a direction and, um, and so I lost my way. I lost my identity and believed that to be creative, artistic, gentle, um, to be a designer or an artist, and then to experience even attractions towards guys of the same sex and temptations, I believed that that changed my identity. So I followed along with this tide that was saying, Mm. Well, so I must be. Yeah. Well, so you 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 grew up in the church. So, and yeah. then because that's that's what the this whole episode is is 
kind of the because I, I don't yeah. I don't know your full story. So yeah, and so you grew up in the church, and then you know it probably I'm going to assume to correct me if I'm wrong. Probably started to where a lot of young men start internet porn. Yeah. So um, backing up to the church, starting in the church and then getting to the porn. Um, my first eight years of life, my dad did not have a relationship with Jesus. In fact, he would not even claim to be religious. He wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You talk about that. Yeah. And my mom was kind of on the fence, you know, she prayed to receive Christ in college and then, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, I'll take the kids to church, but man, when, when I was five, four or five, she, God really lit a fire inside of, of my mom and through a mentor, older woman in Christ that really just began to disciple my mom and my mom began to grow. My mom began to change. She actually, at that moment, she led my brother and I and my sister to Christ. I was five. My brother was, my sister was seven and my brother was nine. And so we all prayed to receive Christ from my mom. And, but my dad still stiff arm, um, Man, he grew, he grew up with a military father. Mm. Hard. Strict. Very strict. Um, love him to death. Uh, but, man, he, he got rules. He will let you know when you are not making the cut. When you're not doing things right, he's going to let you know. And even when you're probably doing things right, you're still doing it wrong. Yeah. And, uh, and so there was, I just see, you know, for so many years I held stuff against my dad, but then I was able to look back and go, wow, he's never known that from his father to, uh, to know what it's like to be unconditionally loved and accepted. Um, and just the menial things, not even in the big grand scheme, but I'm like in the, in the small stuff. Yeah. Um, just the measuring stick of, of perfection. Um, and so, and I know you understand a little bit of the military side of things yeah, with that. For sure. Yeah. And I understand the, how that can shape people. Yeah. So, and, it, and it's not all bad, but so my dad carried that into our house and yeah. he was, he was there and he did love us. Like he, he did his best, but man, uh, there was a way that he could, I just, it's like an eruption of, of anger and never physical, but just the way in which it would, he would pop. Yeah. I mean, it would just be like snap and, and just man. Uh, so, so from an early age, there was this, I feared my father. Yeah. And also he doesn't think I'm good enough. Yeah. I'm not accepted. I'm do I don't measure up. All right. So I'm already kind of feeling as a young child, there's, I'm not, my father and I, we're not on the same wavelength here. Yeah. Like there's, there's already a separation in my psyche and, you know, so, um, 
my dad did come to Christ at age eight. It was radical. It was amazing to see. Like it was a miracle. But so much formative happens in our first you know, really scientists talk about the first five years of a child's life. It's so formative yeah. in the brain and then, and then on. But um, so whatever happened there and then my dad was continuing to grow. So we got in church. That was good. Then we moved to the South because we didn't live in the South in my first 10 years. We were in Delaware, Pennsylvania, England, nothing like Alabama or Tennessee but moved straight into the Bible Belt, went to a pretty wealthy um, Christian private school. Um, and it was actually in that place. It's funny. It didn't happen up in Delaware, Pennsylvania, yeah. England, where I was introduced to porn or introduced to being just seeing this darkness of uh, and I'll share about just immense bullying. Um, Same. Me also. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, went to a neighbor's house. Um, and at the time, it was kind of when those risque, but cool. It was all of a sudden cool to have these movies about kids in high school that were being promiscuous and they would show a lot of things and I had never seen anything before. Yeah. And it hooked me within a second. Yeah. I mean, one second, I'm 11 years old, 12 years old. And I remember in that moment feeling this like shame mixed with pleasure because I knew I'm like, that's right. Wait, but why I like this, yeah. but this isn't right. Yeah. And then I remember just so strongly, like, and I know it was the Holy spirit at that point saying, tell your mom and dad, like, I remember this, Yeah. but no, I said, I can't hit it. I hit it. Yeah. And man felt the shame, felt the shame. And at the same time, shame and addiction yeah feed each other if i tell them they'll take it away and i don't really want that yeah i like this yeah even though it's causing me these negative emotions yeah but it was hidden yet rampant in in our house because i would find ways to do things and man i was and it was all it was all heterosexual in my first experience, and I know that's not the same with, with everybody who might be listening. And that doesn't make anybody's story any worse or different. Yeah. You know, um, well, I think you'd be an American over the age of 15. I, I don't know that you could have gone through life without seeing porn at this point, you know, yeah. or, or something, something. Yeah. Just with the media, the TV, the, go to a movie. Yeah. At the Hollywood. At, yeah. You can turn on NBC. Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, it was so easy to find and people talk about it and it's no big deal yeah. for a lot of folks. And that's how they treat it. I mean, in it, it's, it, uh, consciously, they say it's not a big deal. Yeah. But, and so you found it and you so I found it and it, it that right there. And we talked about the darkening the yeah. understanding. I always found it interesting in that Romans one passage. It talks about that. We exchanged the truth of God for a lie and we worshiped and served created things 
rather than the creator. Mm -hmm. And we exchange the glory of the immortal God for images. It says images. Now it's talking about idols, but I just always thought, hmm, hmm. I did that. I exchange. I exchange. It says images of, but it it does say images of mortal man and reptiles. So it's talking about in the old times. Think about some old movie, or even nowadays when you see a shrine to something and people are bowing down to some statue or something. Yeah, that's what that's talking about. But but also it's in our hearts and it's in and it's in that seeking and that pursuit and it's worship of those images because it's, it's giving them the affection and the, the, the wonder. And and I'm giving my attention, I'm giving my all to that. Yeah. So, so that was my life. And and so my understanding perversion, everything darkening. Well, well, yeah, but two pause, like also you here, you have to show yourself some grace and Mm. this is for everybody because like what psychologists tell you is, is, is that kids only children's only goal Maybe you had told me this. No, as as Patrick, a child's only goal is is to uh, minimize pain and maximize comfort. Mm -hmm. And so when you find porn at an early age and you realize that it can be an escape, then that's that's shaping how you're going to deal with stress and pain for the rest of your life. And so that's what so you found this. And and as a kid, it's it's almost, you know, this is it's almost a, it's such a deception because man, this like you're dealing with the rejection of your father in a way and some of these identity issues and the bullying. And wow, that probably was an escape for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so that even a segue, right. Yeah. So it started out as maybe and at times, definitely the temptation of just compulsive, yeah, you know, sexual activity, but but it really became an escape from pain. And, and, and then here I am as a, you know, young kid, my brother and sister, I've talked to them about that, this, and, you know, there were times where my brother would call me names and that what a, what older brother doesn't call a younger brother names like sissy and things like that. And I remember I hated it. I hated when he did that, you know, it made me so mad and what he do more because he knew it made me mad. Of course. Yeah. Um, But it wasn't at home, you know, yeah, there was some pain with dad and pain with my brother, but as I've, as I've, cause I actually, I still go to therapy, but in my time in therapy, what I learned is that the most painful place for me in my life was grades seven through 12 mm-hmm. at a private Christian school. Mm. You know, that's, there's times where I've heard Paul or seen in scripture where he's like, brothers, this shouldn't be man. Middle school, it wasn't as bad until as until my eighth going on into ninth grade year. And was it the things you were interested in that got you bullied? Or they just pick you? Just They picked me. I don't yeah. you know, sometimes I go, why? Why? Yeah. Um, bullies, you know, they will continue to push somebody that they know won't fight back or isn't, you know, 
that's yeah. already kind of, so I think I already was conditioned yeah. a little bit by the shame and the stuff that I would feel from home. And, yeah. but, but kind of going into high school, man, it started freshman year, uh, going into freshman year, cross country camp. And I was not overweight, but to them, I was overweight, you know, yeah. I wasn't as in shape as these guys. And so it starts with them looking at me going, Oh man, we're going to make, you're, you're so fat, you know, jelly, you're going to call you jelly. And you kind of look Mexican and you have this Mexi stash. And, and it was like, I hated it, you know, and we, yeah. and, and so I just became the kids are cruel, man. Yeah. And, and, and like the butt of every joke mm-hmm. at that place. And then, and that was, that was one sport and then going on to the next sport, um, and it, it, was, it wasn't just in, in the sports world, it was other places in school, but going on, I remember it happened at soccer, but specifically with hockey and these guys were in there in the locker room and they're talking about the, from, there was a movie that came out and it was based on a show that used to be on MTV, shout out nineties, uh, <laughs> called Jackass. And there was a part of this movie where these guys basically take these electrodes and they start shocking themselves in between their male genitalia and their rectum, basically. Right. And it's, and they start saying, Oh, it's the gooch. It's this area between down there. And, and then they just turn. And so they're laughing about it. And they just turn to me and say, well, that's what we're going to call you now. You're going to be Gooch. Right after they're talking about that's what the that's what it symbols like. Yeah. And I just am like, you know, I hated it. And I, I even have worked through this with my therapist to go, you know, that's kind of sick. Like, yeah, we're oh, man. Yeah, that's that area. That's what you are. Yeah. You know, like what? You know, yeah, yeah, that's cruel. It's cruel, is what you it know, is. and yeah. and and I remember like it. I felt it very deeply. Yeah, but I, I didn't talk. Yeah, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't even fight back. And um, I remember the next week at school, one of the coaches, not of the hockey team, but a different guy gets up, well, gets up, talks about the game. One of our captain gets up there, says, yeah, everybody come watch Gooch hit somebody. The whole, the whole student body erupts in laughter because I'm sure it had spread around about the nickname. And then, and because everybody's been watching the movie and whatnot, then this coach says, yeah, everybody watch Gooch, you know. Oh, man, it's the teacher. The teacher jumped on it. And so it, it, I mean, picked up the entire school, picked it. And I just remember at that moment, I mean, you know, yeah, I I feel for, I understand it. (laughs) Those people that, I mean, at that moment, I, I considered ending my life. I mean, that was very much consideration. So then, so then let me ask you this. What would you, cause I've heard this a thousand times before. Well, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words, mm-hmm. words will never hurt you. Um, in fact, I've been told that by my own mother. Yeah. I've been I told that on. by my father and, yeah. you know, and I get it. Like there are times to have thick skin and understand like 
you know, but for a, for a kid, um, and specifically speaking about how, how do I, how do you, how do any of us speak to the next generation? Yeah. Um, and it's not about coddling somebody, but words have weight and power. And in fact, if you look in the word of God, words have more power than we think. We we said, we say in the army words mean things. I mean, it's very simple, right? Words mean things and words do mean things. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we hold the power of, of life and death in our tongue. I mean, that, that's the, the language, not of, um, not of Aaron Broach, but of scripture, you know, I'm going, what? Mm. Um, let's see. Proverbs. Yeah, here it is. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Mm. Um, and then in James, man, it talks about with a tongue, with the tongue, it is so deadly that we can start a forest fire because it's a spark. That's big. And, and, you know, that's the language of scripture, talking about words, talking about the tongue. And so, man, get through all the way through high school. And at this point, by the end, I have no sense of who I am. Yeah. I'm who everybody, I mean, because I, because I just learned, I think I, I tried to fight back a couple of times, tried to, but it just, it was almost like they laughed at me even for that. And so, so you figured out how to survive. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I survived. I got through high school, but not thrive. You didn't thrive. But no, you survived. I got through high school and I even proved some people wrong and some stuff, had some great coaches, you know, there's been some redeeming things that I've found. Yeah. But I get to get to Auburn um, and in the midst of my last year of high school, um, my addiction to porn heated up. There was a guy that used to pick on me more than more than anybody else. But I would hang out with him because he was in my neighborhood and I just had no friends. I mean, like is what it felt like. And so um there's still a couple guys that I still keep in touch with that love these guys, Brad and Josh. Um, and they never jumped on that bandwagon. Yeah. And uh, forever grateful for those guys. Um, but this other guy, you know, would say, man, why are you always over exaggerating about if that girl's hot? Are you gay? You know, would always, you know, have these, kind of pokes. No. I remember, but I remember when he said that because I was already kind of beginning to question things. Yeah. Feeling so afraid. So fast forwarding, I get to Auburn. I'm digging digging deeper into porn. So I'm out of my own. And I'm just that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Curiosity leading you down just opening up browser windows you can't ever close. And then metaphorically speaking. And then I begin to feel urges and attractions. And I went, oh, nope, I can't. Because I know from, and I will definitely, this is stuff for further episodes, but at this Christian school, God forbid you are a male 
that is into theater or arts, because you're automatically written off. Yeah. You're oh, he's gay. He's yeah. a flamer. Like that was the that was the the and it was just like yeah, you know, and it and it was because you were you were interested in artistic, yeah, not traditional manly yeah. type activities. And and so and just like same thing, just railed on. There, I know I know of some guys that were just railed on. And um, you talk about isolating, man. So I went, man, no, I can't. And and just growing up, knowing the word of God, knowing, going, oh, nope, that's too dirty for God. Nope, that's just the one that's not redeemable. I already know that. Yeah. I know that once you cross that bridge, it's like excommunicate, you're gone, yeah. never again, no hope for you in this world. Which is so crazy, man, because yeah. this really is like Christians really do treat um, it, this one sin like it is the end all, like almost worse than murder, maybe. Like you can come back from murder, but man, if you if you think a guy's attractive and you're another guy, like and you struggle with that, there is no hope for you. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But society kind of treats you that way too. Yeah. And 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 it's and it's this oxymoron. So you got society yeah. saying, oh good. You know, yeah, yeah, come on, yeah. And the church is kind of saying, yeah, you probably should. And the church goes, yeah, you should. I mean, yeah, because you don't belong here. Yeah, this is not your spot. And so, wow, yeah, you know. And so that was the ultimate fear, and it's because of what identity and this lie, yeah. this lie that I had been told and taught through my experiences, through culture, through the church, through people that said like. And I've gone back and go, how have we in the church believed that somebody can even be homosexual? Like, that's who they, that, what? Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. That there's no even, you know, and, and well, that it, guy's just a murderer. He's always going to murder. Yeah. And sadly, I mean, yeah, the guy's like, just a thief. He'll, not, he'll never do, be anything more than just yeah. steal. It doesn't um, make any sense. I've yeah. talked with one of the guys in the group and he's like, yeah, man, they love, you know, we love it in church when somebody gets up and shares, I was in prison, I was a gangbanger, I did all this, and God saved me, you know, you know, but yeah. somebody stands up and goes, man, I used to, you know, I had a boyfriend, or I, you know, and like, and they're like, oh, you know, it's like, you can't say that here. And like, <laughs> yeah, like I, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we love to hear the, the marriage story, the infidelity that, you know, that wrecked a marriage, but God brought two people back together, but yeah, yeah but this is one that is kind of off. Like we, do we just, yeah. Cause I've never yeah. really thought about that. Do we just assume that there is no redemption for same sex yeah. attraction? And that's, and that's what I believed. And that's what I felt. And real quick. So when I, when I was growing up, one of the things I wanted to do was to become an architect. I even went to a camp at Auburn between my junior and senior year, summer in high school, went to an architecture camp because what I wanted to do was to design buildings because I used to sketch floor plans growing up. I mean, and design and invent things at age 10. Me too. I don't know if I ever told you yeah. that. I used to draw floor plans out all the time. Yeah. Sketchbook, yeah. Age 10. I was, yeah. I was doing stuff, had sketches of it. Like that was my life. Like, that's what I loved. That's what I wanted to be. That's what I wanted to do. I go to Camp War Eagle, the guy speaking, this was before freshman year. 
very had a very feminine like the ways he was saying things and and making himself you know come across and so literally on the day of camp war eagle when i was supposed to declare major i went nope i can't go into architecture because if i do and then that's going to be my life i'm going to walk i'm going to go into a homosexual lifestyle like it just and hey, i'm going to give you another little perspective here maybe that was maybe in the architecture department if that was sort of if there was that culture that was there yeah that could have been the Holy Spirit, not you avoiding yeah. it, but that could have been the Holy Spirit keeping you from avoiding a situation yeah. that you weren't ready to handle yet. Yeah. So, and I will never know until heaven, right? Yeah. You know, um, I, I go through Auburn. I went to building science because it's manly. I got to be a construction guy on a man's on a structure side because that's what men do. So I reached a, a real breaking point. Yeah. And it was my sophomore year of college. And that's when I went to a place called uh, or a conference called passion that was in Atlanta. And that's really where I gave my life to Christ. I mean, really the first time that I on my own got on my knees in a field. And I just said, I'm all yours, Jesus. I believe in you. And man, his Holy spirit came. I mean, I just, for people who haven't experienced that yet, man, man, that is the moment. It is the most incredible moment. People can't even describe it to you, really. Yeah. Like until you experience that freedom of of giving yourself to God completely, until you like when I realized that I was there was when I when I was scared to death to go backwards. Yeah, like because I'd never been scared to go backwards before. I just always kind of thought, well, once I get here, I can still you know do some of this other stuff. I can have both. <laughs> and when I realized that I couldn't, yeah. and I was so scared of going back to what I what it was before, yeah, I, that was my like. And even and even when you go back to stuff, yeah, it's not the same. And it's like, oh. and there's actually this more of this shame. This no, because this is not <laughs> who I am. And because you've identified your values, yeah, God in your identity has also put in you values, yeah. right and wrong. Where, where does, where do the rules of logic and reasoning and right and wrong come from? Well, they come from God. Yeah. You know, the, the animals, animals can't logic, right? Mm-hmm. Like logic is a human trait and, and God has given us the ability to discern and know right from wrong and have our values. And so if the, your life is not the quality that it could be, it, could possibly be that you are living out a life that does not align with the values that are inherently built into you by our savior. That's that quote. Our creator. Yeah. That's that quote, the C.S. Lewis quote that we're not living up to the potential meaning we're not experiencing the best. And, and, and so, you know, I get saved and I, and I get, spirit filled, man, I am loving Lord, the Lord. And I am, you know, man. Um, and I go nine months or so, no porn. I'm like, wow, this is great on fire. But I just didn't deal with really the roots of the same sex attraction. There you go. Because I thought, Oh, it's, it's all fixed in one prayer. It's all fixed in one moment. Yeah. And man, college was a roller coaster after that. Even like I said, the Lord had never took his hand off. Yeah. 
And I graduate, I uh, scooted out of there on a prayer and one wheel on a four in a car, <laughs> not even on a bicycle. <laughs> Get out of there. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Literally, he had mercy on me. I graduated from Auburn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, the only job that opened up, architecture firm. Architecture firm. You know, tried that. Tried construction. Went and did a Christian music thing for a little while. That wasn't it. It's like, I feel like I'm supposed to be in an office. What opened up? Architecture firm. Moved me to Montgomery or the Alabama area. Think I'm supposed to go into ministry. So I go to a different, you know, I'm working, but I'm also going to uh, a whole different part of my story and mixed in as I get engaged to this girl I didn't even love. I told her I did and tried to use her and, and use that to use the words I love you to get things out of it, you know. And uh, it's all part of the same thing, numbing and, and running and, but, you know. And I don't want to, like, I don't want to rush to your story. And I, I, you know, I know this is getting a little bit long. So we're getting to the good part. I know we are. Oh, man. So what if we give a little cliffhanger here? Let's give a cliffhanger and say, we've talked about tonight, we've talked about in Romans 1. And if you read Romans 1 and you don't go on anywhere from there. Yeah. Even if you read Romans 1 and 2, it's kind of like, well, crap. Yeah. And we're not, we're not even, we're not even to the real juicy part of the story. And yeah. I don't want to spoil anything, but I mean, you're, you, when, and the next time we record, we're going to hear about some mental health struggles, some institutionalization, yeah, some real, real dark, some stuff. rock, rock bottom, rock bottom. As, as somebody said, it's when you fall to what you think is rock bottom, but it's actually just a shelf. Yeah. going down the bottom. <laughs> so yeah, it's like but, uh, it's the it's the the rock bottom with the rubber soles, right? Like the socks. Like, yeah, we were like, oh, this is yeah. a, oh, you know, yeah. So so you know, it's like if you read Romans one and two, we're left kind of at this crap. We're just yeah. screwed. Like, and we're not, and that that's what it feels like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we haven't read the full gospel. And so that's what this, even this whole podcast. And, and so I'm looking forward to sharing that. But it's truth meets grace. Yeah. Grace meets truth because grace is not amazing if you don't need it. That's so true. And so it takes the power away from, from the gospel yeah. when, when, when there's not. You know, it Romans one is so needed. The wrath of God is being revealed. Yeah. Why? Because people be acting crazy. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, look, Vladimir Putin just like blowing up, committing war crimes. Like it's it's awful. Yeah. And 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 so the wrath of God is being revealed. It's been revealed, but then it says, hey, but that's me. That's you. And here's the story of how it happened. And so that's the first part. So it's going to, you're going to hear next time what redeeming. What, how does God redeem? Because we know now what the identity the enemy is trying to put on you, right? So next time we get to hear how you discover how does that redeem? How do you get where do you get redeemed? How did you discover God's identity 
the real, the true, yeah. the holy, yes. the pure identity that God, when he could, before this universe was even formed, he designed inside of Aaron Brooks. It's good. I love it. Man, I cannot wait for the next mm. time.